Welcome to our Perimenopause What the F podcast, brought to you by the Perry community. In this podcast, your host, Rachel Hughes, talks everything, and we mean everything, perimenopause. She helps us navigate through all our What the F perimenopause moments and all, is this normal? Questions. Rachel talks with perimenopause experts, thought leaders, and inspirational voices of the community. To connect with other perimenopause warriors, download our free Perry app. You can find the link in our show notes. And now, let's dive right in. Hey everyone, this is Rachel Hughes of the Menno Memos here with another episode of Perry Talks, where we like to deep dive into all things perimenopause and menopause, bringing you the science and the sisterhood. I am thrilled today that I'm going to be speaking with registered dietitian and co-author of The Perimenopause Solution, Emma Bardwell today on eating in perimenopause and menopause. I am a longtime stalker of Emma's. I just think everything about her is completely cool and her ability to distill an amazing amount of information about nutrition in response to hormonal changes is unlike any other. I hope you can join us for what is sure to feel like a casual conversation because that's Emma's whole vibe, but is guaranteed to be full of pertinent information for us about food. For future episodes, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. And now let's get started. talking I am giving like my own little TED talk here <laughs> I'm so sorry I'm almost sweating I'm almost sweating <laughs> I'm sorry Rachel not at all I'm so glad you're here it was actually it was actually you know there's like maybe a secret part of me that just likes to hear myself talk so <laughs> I was I was having at it hello Emma Bardwell thank you for joining us was the link able to be resent and you yeah I was just on the wrong one brain fog blame the brain fog no worries let's blame the brain fog thank you for meeting with us I'm so happy to meet with you almost in person Um, we have a lot of ladies here we were just I was just sort of launching into a little bit about you and 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 sharing with the ladies that I, um, you know, I followed you for some time now and I love your information and your, your feed is so beautiful. And, um, so a couple of questions came in about intermittent fasting and I would love to get into that, but I actually, if you wouldn't mind just letting us know a bit more about you, because I I don't know you personally and we'd love to meet you. You will do by the end. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) I'll good, good. Give you the short version. Okay. So I am in uh, in the UK, I am called a registered nutritionist. I don't know what that would be over there, but uh, it basically means that I uh, have an accredited body, you know, looking over me, watching what I do, and it means that everything that I talk about is evidence based. Which I think, when it comes to this area, you know, women's health, but particularly menopause and perimenopause, I think it's super important because. Yeah. As you will know, there is a ton of woo-woo kind of nonsense and misinformation yeah. and, you know, BS out there, isn't yes. there? Yes, yes. It, it's so true, and I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I, with that said, I sometimes, you know, I always will say, and I said this just a few minutes ago to the group, that I do think women need to kind of sort of feel themselves out a bit though, but there's a, there's a starting point and there are baseline things that are just sort of rules for health, if you will. And those would be places to start. But Emma, I'm, I'm wondering, did you always work with midlife women? No. In your practice? But what happened was I went through I started my perimenopause journey around the age of 42. Yeah. That's when I had to really kind of, and I I think it's the same in the States, you know, I had to really advocate for myself because particularly I'm now 49. So what, that was seven years ago. So back then, and even now, you know, there wasn't a whole heap of, you know, 
well kind of uh, versed healthcare practitioners. So for example, when often here, when we go and see our doctors or our GPs, they aren't particularly up to date with, you know, the latest research um, in, in menopause care. So yeah. I have to do a lot of navigating this kind of rocky road for myself. And in the meantime, kind of realised that there was this huge chasm between, uh, you know, about, about the, the, you know, information that was available to women. So I wanted to kind of close that gap. Yeah, yeah. That's what it's all about, really. Did you, you were already a registered yeah. nutritionist? Okay. So you were already, you already had a practice. You were yeah. already seeing people about all kinds of various health things. What I was finding was, I guess you attract your tribe, don't you? Sure. I was seeing a lot of women and they weren't really getting the help that they needed from, you know, doctors. So it was a natural kind of progression, I guess. What, what was your perimenopause looking like and are you still perimenopausal or are you in in are you postmenopausal no I'm still in it um it's a lot calmer for me but but back then even though you know I had done all of this studying you know the endocrine system and I don't know physiology and anatomy I and I talked about perimenopause all the time with my but I still wasn't remotely ready for the kind of car crash that, that yeah. hit me. And I think it's yeah. a common um, story, isn't it? It is very common and humbling. Yeah. And I think, I think so difficult because so many of us, although many of us, not all of us, but many of us sort of share this umbrella of perimenopause and all the symptoms or many of the symptoms, it really does look different for each woman. So we all sort of, you know, we are, we are shared in our season, but not necessarily in how it looks. Absolutely. I think that goes back to what you were just saying. There is no kind of one size fits all, uh, you know, perimenopause journey or answer or solution. And I think, so there is a lot, I think a lot of us have to do a little bit of detective work and a bit of and a bit of kind of digging around to find what works for us Mm. so you know me saying I'm really anti-fad and kind of really wholly evidence-based I am but I certainly do keep my mind open to those things that do come in things like CBD oil you know a few years ago I would have been like (laughs) I know (laughs) yes I don't know really anything about it yeah but now I know that lots of my clients are they are finding it really, really helpful. So, you know, the research might not be there yet, but it is definitely something, if it's safe, I'm, I'm all up for, for women trying their own kind of avenues, I guess. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Okay, so um, this is silly, but I actually said this to the ladies before you jumped on, but you're, you, are you a photographer? No. This is, yeah. <laughs> And and are you a chef? Are you a trained chef? No. Whoa. So you've just kind of through through your own studies and your own work have come up with all of these beautiful things for us to eat. Well, I mean, if you look through my Instagram feed, it's incredibly basic. So that and that's the premise. You know, none of my clients, they're all time poor. They're all busy. They are all kind of, you know, juggling a ton of different things. So nobody has time to create these incredible kind of, you know, cordon bleu type uh, meals. So, no, I, I like to keep things really, really basic. But I do, I guess, you don't see everything I eat. Not everything is Instagram worthy. Sure. Um, but I like things to look inspiring, I guess, when I put them on my page and colorful. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I would say that the look of things sort of appeals to the eater anyway. So if it's pretty, we want to eat it. Okay. Um, this is another sidebar, but I'm looking at you and it actually is a question on my list. Um, you have beautiful skin. It's like so hot. Uh, it's like flawless, it's but not- uh, it is. And I, and can you talk about skin health? Cause you do talk about it a bit on your, on your feed as well. What have you learned about perimenopausal skin and how does food sort of determine 
how we're doing the health of our skin. I don't want to necessarily say like, it's not, it's not looking younger. That's not what I'm getting at. It's just skin health and glow. Yeah. We all want that, don't we? I think we just want to look, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but we just want to look like the best versions of ourselves. We don't want to look kind of wake up, wake up and look really knackered and haggard. So the other day, this will make you laugh. My daughter who is nine said, God, mom, your, <laughs> your face looks like a scrunched up crisp packet. You oh, what? Crisp packet. Somebody has tried to smooth out. Oh, oh my God. That's so specific. That's more than I can handle. That is not the look I was going for. But uh, to answer your question, I think it's really, there's, there's a limited amount, I think, that we can do for skin, I think, uh, you know, in terms of nutrition. But there is certainly lots that we can do. But I, I think we have to be careful not to say that we can cure acne, you know, by removing all these things or adding in zinc they they might help but we have to kind of keep it sensible um but that said I think the the most important thing you can do for skin is is to look after your gut so you know lots of plant-based foods limiting the things that are inflammatory so things you know the refined sugars the alcohol you know all the things that we know about um and getting in as much you know, a kind of Mediterranean style diet is, is the the kind of key for for anti-inflammation. And anti-inflammation is brilliant, you know, is is basically the kind of core of lots of, of skin problems. Yeah. Emma, can you expand on inflammation a bit um, and gut health? That is a question that um, someone asked today, was on my list to ask as well. What are the... Where are we find? Where are we getting inflamed? What does that look like? How does that manifest? The whole thing comes up a lot, doesn't it? It's kind of this nebulous term. Yes. I mean, a bit of inflammation obviously is normal, and that's how your body heals itself. So if you get a splinter, you know, your body sends inflammation to uh, I don't know to deal with that uh, pathogen or that kind of you know that wound or something. Yeah. But what happens is if it is chronic and if it builds up over a long amount of time, then it kind of becomes this cascade whereby your body is so hard to deal with it. Um, And we're seeing that obviously a lot with long COVID, aren't we? Essentially, that's what it is. It's this kind of cytokine storm where uh, that your body really finds hard to manage. It can deal with small bits, but if it's built up and it's protracted over, you know, long amounts of time, it becomes an issue. So, but we get information from lots of things, from stress. I mean, physically, from aging, the act of being in perimenopause is you know inflammatory we get it from pollution you know all of these things that some of them are outside of our kind of remit Um, right are things that we can do so we can look towards having a mostly not all but a mostly plant-based diet making sure that we're including lots of healthy fats particularly things like extra virgin olive oil you know they're very it's got these really wonderful anti-inflammatory properties um healthy fats so avocados nuts seeds you know the drill yeah Uh, and basically it's not just about food you know it's about de-stressing um it's about getting your sleep in prioritizing sleep being a bit mindful exercising but not over exercising because again that's pro-inflammatory that's right we're really kind of going for it which i think a lot of midlife women do because they see weight changes and things like that we everything kind of has to be in balance and it's striking that balance that is difficult but the key I think no I think that's such a good point and I I I see it more and more and more I feel I'm aware of it more in myself the the idea that stress is really sort of the, the kicker to everything you had posted not too long ago Um, And you sort of said, you know, I don't really get into my own perimenopausal journey very much. But then I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you alluded to stress, perhaps being a trigger, or, you know, at least like preemptive to your perimenopausal symptoms. And I think 
there, you know, we're seeing it more, this sort of conversation around midlife stress or chronic stress, you know, that's been with us, unresolved trauma, whatever, um, kind of worsening our symptoms. Are you seeing this in your practice? Do you see this? Yeah, I think it's very under explored, you know, the impact that stress has. It's obviously, you know, it takes over your body. That's what it's designed to do. It's your, it's not called your fight or flight response for nothing. Um, and I see it very much triggering uh, or worsening. It, I, I don't think it, it obviously doesn't bring on menopause and perimenopause symptoms, but it certainly exacerbates them. And I think it was a key player in my kind of early 42. It's not really that early, but that's mm. what you know, lots of healthcare practitioners would say. I think it was a key component in, in that journey. Um and yeah, I see it in, in women all the time. But you know, show me a midlife woman who isn't stressed. The two just kind of go hand in hand. So it's it's about managing it rather than taking it away. Because I think we have to be realistic that busy lives, modern lives are super stressful, aren't they? Yes. And and so what are some of your suggestions for managing our stress? I think it's really individual. I think I won't sort of patronize listeners watchers with you know talking about mindfulness and yoga and meditation because I I, you know for some women they are brilliant but not everyone for some people the act of meditating is actually really stressful because they can't they feel like they can't do it properly or you know it just doesn't sit comfortably with them so I think you have to find your thing whatever that is whether it's crocheting or I don't know uh, you know, running or paddle boarding or just going out with your friends. It has to be something that works for you. Yeah. Um, if you want to know mine, mine is so definitely spending time on my own. As I yes. get older, I need that downtime where there's no noise and no kind of interruptions from the kids. Um, and walking, something that's something good that's come from lockdown and COVID has been the fact that I've been doing a lot more walking and it's really my time to kind of decompress. Yeah. I, it's funny you said on my feed, I'll offer sometimes in my stories, just sort of lists that address various things, you know, like food for, I don't know, prebiotic health or activities for stress mitigation. And I think I maybe did one yesterday or the day before and I, you know, I often will say like movement, meditation, prayer, whatever, you know, and I thought this is so not what I would do. Like, I can't sit and meditate. It's so actually stress inducing for me. I'm way too antsy, but a walk is always something that clears up a lot of ills. And I think we maybe don't talk about that enough. Green spaces, you know, getting out out in nature, if you can, is incredibly calming, I think. Yeah. Uh, But I think, you know, if, because people always want a kind of quick fix, and there is one, but if you're looking at, and I think maybe we'll talk about supplements later on. Yes, yes. Magnesium is a brilliant, particularly if you're super stressed, it's a great karma. And which one? Which magnesium do you recommend? Like, because I know there's various. Yeah, there's about eight or nine. Yeah, and they're basically combined with amino acids. So the kind of all rounder is is magnesium glycinate. I would say it's, it's well absorbed. It's you know it's cheap. Um, it won't give you diarrhea. Although for right. some are constipated, they might want to bring on a bowel movement. So magnesium citrate would be better for them. Right. Um, and magnesium, there's magnesium three and eight, which is really good for brain health. So, you know, magnesium, I think, particularly before bed, is really good for calming you down for if you've got restless legs, which mm. um, really good for sleep as well. Um, okay, so since you brought up supplements. Around. <laughs> no, 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 I love skipping around. Um, so so magnesium would be one that you recommend for pretty much anybody any midlife woman it's pretty safe and most of us are actually depleted in it so yeah 
Okay. And, and what else, what would you say to us? What should we be taking? I have to caveat this, of course, with food first, always, you know. Yes, ma'am. Food is brilliant because it's perfectly, you know, nature's packaged it up with all the enzymes and the cofactors that you need to absorb it properly. So always food first. But I recognize that that isn't always possible. So, I mean, it's ideally you would want to be getting a kind of individualized protocol just for you. But if I a kind of blanket across the board a fish oil because it's anti-inflammatory um, and most of us aren't eating two portions of oily fish a week right. not most of okay the um lots of us are vegan and veggies so we won't be doing that at all so you know if you are not then you should be looking at an algae um oil for your omega-3 okay anti-inflammatory really good for eyes for heart but most importantly for brain health Hmm. and this is separate from a fish oil no so uh, algae so what what we're looking for in that fish oil is omega-3 right if you are not a fish eater you can get that omega-3 from an algae-based oil okay um because it's really hard to get omega-3 that converts to the active compounds via um plant-based foods right um the other one for for stressed out women who are fatigued i will quite often recommend a b complex so it's got eight b vitamins in it um usually a methylated one because it's got the active forms in which could be really helpful if you're not great at converting them um what else that's probably it oh vitamin d i mean that's the kind of the, the blanket one that everybody should be taking right so ideally you want to have a d3 with a k2 so vitamin d3 is the active form and then you want a vitamin k2 ideally with it because it helps to take the calcium from your arteries which where we don't want it um, and kind of deposits it into your bones where you do want it okay so so back to food where you ideally are getting all of the nutrients you need sort of take us through what we should be eating. I know this is so, again, you know, you, you, you are seeing clients who are coming in and wanting specifics and needing specifics, but so many people, I think there is so much information out there and it's really hard to weed through. Mm. What, what are we to be eating? What is helpful to us in midlife? And really, I think I mean, I try and think of it a lot. Like it's not just sort of the here and now, but it's looking forward towards aging healthfully, as healthfully as possible. Yeah. And also it's, I think we have to be really careful not to obsess too much about the nitty gritty, you know, the fact that you had, I don't know, a bunch of cookies yesterday followed by a McDonald's. Do you know? Right not that one day that matters it's what we have over weeks and months and years that actually really counts so if I was to kind of chop it all down I guess my the the basics if you like Mediterranean diet I've already talked about Mm -hmm. I think it's really really important for us to balance our blood sugar levels Mm. I think it's the key actually I do too if you take one thing away from this chat, it would be the importance of, of doing that because it helps with cravings, which we suffer from a lot in perimenopause. It helps with weight, another issue that pops up a lot. It helps with those kind of the hanger and the mood swings, you know, and the irritability. Um, it helps with mood, sleep. Um, it staves off hot flushes. Uh, you know, it it ticks a lot of boxes. So, so that's so helpful. Let me just stop you right there to say, so if, if your focus might be anything and our focus can become sort of so fractured, you know, I want to ask you about fasting later and that might become another focus, but so you, are you sort of suggesting that focusing on blood sugar and balancing those highs and lows would be a great thing to focus on, particularly 
Yeah. Okay. That you're, if you don't really know where to start and you're a bit kind of bamboozled by all of these messages, make that your number one thing. Um, Okay. Go back to what you said. It also really helps to future proof your heart, your brain, your bones, you know, not your bones, but it, 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 it helps with, I don't know, type two diabetes, heart disease. Right. Right. All the heavy hitter stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the point is, how do we do it? So three things, you need protein plus fiber, which you will get from your refined, uh, your complex carbs and fats. Protein is the most important thing out of those three. So I would try and get those three things in with each of your meals. Let's say three meals a day. Make sure that you, each time you sit down, you're like, where is my protein? Where are my fats? Where is my fiber coming from? And really, if you do that, you are onto a winner. I love this. You just simplified so much for so many people, including myself. Just taking all the, the, the complicated muck out of it. Just letting your plate focus on these three things with all you know, your, your big meals of the day two to three, whatever they may be, protein, fiber, and fats. Now, for those of us who are sort of a little fuzzy on fiber, um, because, you know, so many of us, I think here, especially in the States, think of fiber as things like, you know, the, the, yes, yeah, even still, even now. So when you're talking about fiber, you're focusing on what? So let's say for breakfast, I would be focusing on things like nuts, seeds, flax seeds, you know, wholemeal bread to a degree, uh, oats, that kind of thing. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. If I was thinking, I'm thinking about my the way I eat lunch, yeah. dinner, I would be thinking it, you get your fiber from um, from plants. So yeah. Potatoes, squash, any name, name, name a vegetable. Any vegetable, fruit. Uh, Yes, yeah, exactly. That is your complex um, carb and your fiber all in one. Mm-hmm. And then your healthy fats are things like avocados, extra virgin olive oil, you know. I love that. I feel like, you know, you just kind of like you wrapped it all up in a nice bow. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. If you're thinking about where your protein is coming from, it's the obvious things. Yeah, like meat, like chicken and fish. But, you know, if you are vegan or vegetarian, you can look to things like tofu, you know, edamame beans, um, seitan. I guess you have that over there. Tempeh. Uh, Tempeh, exactly, exactly. Eggs, you know, these are all brilliant sources of protein. Potentially things like protein powder, if you are in a rush, you know, I think it does have a role. I mean, I wouldn't have it for every meal, but it definitely, it's a quick fix, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, okay. So, so those are things to focus on. Blood sugar is something to focus on. And, and what would be the next thing besides blood sugar that you might look at or might encourage women to be thinking about? Make sure you're eating enough calcium. Okay. We need more of it as we get older. So you're in the States, your recommended amounts differ from ours. But, you know, essentially, we're looking at about a thousand milligrams a day. And there are calcium calculators. If you are wondering, God, you know, am I getting how much am I getting? You can just look Google calcium calculator and you can kind of plug in what you eat normally and see how far off you are. Okay. Um, Yeah, you want to be looking at things like sardines you know fish with small bones that's where you get you know lots from fortified plant milks if you don't eat dairy dairy the great one um so you need to check your labels if you're drinking fortified plant milks just to make sure that it's got added calcium and shake it because the calcium Ah, at the um what else where else do you get calcium from things like almonds green leafy veg you know broccoli um tofu again assuming it's got calcium in it again check the label tahini sesame seeds those kind of things figs there's okay. lots of sources but you need to make sure that you're getting quite a lot I, I think it's something that we're not 
often aware of and we really really need to look after our bones because osteoporosis is a big big killer you know it's a sign lots of women don't realize that that it's happening to them yeah i i just want to also just say again that you know threaded in all of this is addressing inflammation again so all of the foods that you're talking about we consume daily regularly consistently excuse me are foods that will also help to address any concerns about inflammation it's right i mean and and i love what you said it's so important it's so important that we not get stuck in the muck around sort of being super dogmatic and I can't ever eat this and I can't do that. And I, I just think that's so, it's just like a mind game. Um, so I love that you said sort of took us off the hook about that. I think it's a surefire way to become obsessed with something. You know, if you're like, I cannot eat chocolate, I am going to remove it from my diet you're just going to end up restricting and restricting and restricting and either being really miserable and not much fun to be around, or you are going to face plant into a yeah. huge family sized bar of chocolate. And then, yeah. oh, you know, you feel really guilty and ashamed. And it's kind of this horrible cycle. It's a horrible cycle. It is. But if, if nothing is off the table, then suddenly it's like, you know, your relationship with it kind of changes, I think. I think also I have found that the more consistently I have eaten, I have made sort of higher quality food choices, the less I desire and the more sort of dramatic my response to choosing poor quality foods becomes. So, so like, I mean, if I were to eat, I mean, I I can just tell you, okay, I have like a mad fixation with Twizzlers candy, which is like, you know, it's gluten and plastic and the color red, you know, it's like all awful, but I was really wanting it the other day and I got a pack and I had a bunch, the gastrointestinal, like literally (laughs) blow up I had, (laughs) oh my God. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Emma, my husband was like, look, you better, I'm putting this all on Instagram. I'm going to record it and I'm going to share it because this is, a, <laughs> this is epic. But, you know, these things will happen when you eat them less. And so you don't want to eat them as much anymore. I'm much more tuned into them, don't you? Your taste buds do change. I'm yes. sure they change. So when you do indulge you need less, I think, for a start. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think they can taste different. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, I think we have to kind of almost become our own detectives. So, you know, keeping a food diary and noting down those, you know, those reactions and, and how you felt before, how you felt after, you know, was it because, were you craving them because you were actually hungry and you didn't eat enough for lunch? You know, were you lonely? Were you bored? Were you tired? Blah, 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 blah. You know, so there is a lot to be said, I think, for really kind of exploring your relationship with food, because we all have a really complex psychological really kind of relationship, don't we? Do you encourage your clients to keep a food diary? It's the first thing that I get them to do when we start working together, actually. Really? Uh, not uh, you know I I just for me I just want to kind of a snapshot of of what their a four day week you know might look for them um but it's not something that I want people to do you know, day in day out because I think you can become quite uh obsessed and a little mm-hmm. bit fastidious about it mm-hmm. but yeah, I, do, I do think a very rudimentary one can be really helpful yeah I I think I'm I, yeah you're right um Okay, you you touched on this a bit, but since we're talking about food and things, um, alcohol, you did a great video on it. And I wonder if you can tell us a little bit more about why we shouldn't be drinking so much anymore. Well, it's tough, isn't it? Because it's such a it's such a crutch. And I think it's totally I don't think we should beat ourselves up because a lot of us are turning to it 
to kind of take the edge off a really stressful day or to help us manage those perimenopause symptoms. But, you know, no, I know, we all know that actually it's not that helpful. I think particularly when you're in the middle of a real kind of hormonal, uh, you know, um, hurricane, let's say. (laughs) Yes, that's a good word. Last thing you need. So, and I'll tell you why, because it, it messes with your blood sugar for a mm. start. So then it causes these hot flushes. So then we, it affects our sleep, which then affects our appetite, which affects our mood, which affects our energy levels. So it has this massive kind of knock on effect. Um, it is, and you know, as we get older, our hangovers, I don't know about you, but mine are just stratosphere. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like, God, is it really worth it? So it's <laughs> save up your alcohol for the, you know, if that's what you want to do, for the times where it really is worth it and you are having a brilliant time and, you know, eke out every last minute and kind of laugh and, you know, it's a very sociable thing, isn't it? So it's brilliant because it means that maybe you can relax and you can hang out with your girlfriends and you can, you know, talk about this time of life or not. Maybe this mm-hmm. you want to talk about. But what happens is your liver essentially becomes slightly less, it becomes less efficient at processing alcohol. Okay. Um, so that's why I think we get these awful hangovers. I think the blood sugar dysregulation really doesn't help. Um it and remember your your liver is processing it's metabolizing and breaking down everything that you eat you drink all your supplements your medications you know all the pollution all the environmental kind of stuff that we're exposed to so it will always uh, but on top of that if you're putting alcohol in it sees it as a carcinogen it's a poison so it will always deal with that first that it sees that as the first thing that it needs to start processing which means your digestion will be kind of quite low down on the list hence you might get bloated or gassy or this is so this is so important I uh, so you consume something that it requires sort of the liver to do more work i.e the alcohol and the liver gets to that work first, but you had maybe three glasses of wine, which lowered your, or certainly made you crave more because now your blood sugar is wonky. Your inhibitions have gone down a bit and you're kind of, it's a little bit of a, um, like a digestive free for all. And so you maybe consume things that, you haven't in a while or too much of a good thing or too much sugar or whatever. And so now your whole digestive system is slowed down because your liver is trying to deal with the alcohol. Yeah. It will process that first of all, it needs to, to get it through Out. as quickly as possible. Um, and as we get older, we have less of, of an enzyme called alcohol dehydrogenase, which breaks down alcohol. So it's a slow, wow. it's a slower process. Um, it's a less efficient process. And, you know, if you let's say that you are um, taking HRT, it's, you know, you're not going to be using that HRT very effectively if you're drinking loads, because, again, your your um, your liver is dealing with the alcohol rather than metabolizing the HRT. Interesting. Oh, I had no idea. OK, so. See if, however, <laughs> Yeah, that. If it if it's a transdermal estrogen, then it's not going through your digestive tract. So that's slightly different. But still, your liver okay. does have to metabolize everything that goes into it. Right. This is so interesting. This is probably the best explanation I've heard for why I feel so bad. Number one, when I drink now, and also number two, why I might just like I'm not. I it just doesn't. I don't even really enjoy it that much. And so many women report that same thing lots of women again it's it's things like wine seem to have the worst effects so some women will find that maybe if they have a g&t or a vodka with a you know clear spirits maybe they are slightly they tolerate them a little bit better 
Um, but I would just say, you know, if that is you and it is something that you're enjoying, then just make sure you hydrate. No one ever hydrates, but, you know, you need to, every drink, you do need to have a glass of water. You do need to have some time before going to bed so that you've had a bit of time to metabolize and, and, and start to regulate your blood sugar levels. Don't have it on an empty stomach because, again, that's just instantly going to spike your glucose levels. Um, and my other tip, this is a good one, actually, is to have some electrolytes before you go to bed and possibly in the morning because it replaces those kind of lost minerals. So that's a nice segue to a question I had, actually, which was directly about electrolytes. So do you recommend them for all of us? I mean, no, I think it, if you are, you know, if you are sweating profusely, if you are working out, you know, every day and you are in a hot country, yeah, maybe, maybe, but I don't think it is. I think they are over, there's a bit of a faddy thing going on with electrolytes at the moment, isn't there? They're very and, in. And and can you, I don't know, much, so amino acids and electrolytes, are not one in the same. Well, so, I, yeah, no, they're not. They are more like minerals. So it's the minerals that you would lose through sweat. Um, right. Potentially through things like alcohol and things like that. So you think they're a bit of a fad right now and don't get crazy about electrolytes? I don't. I think you know, we're, we're, it's another case of worrying about the minutiae, whereas we should be getting the basics right. Okay. It's like a pyramid. Get these, get the foundations right. And then, you know, maybe you can work up. And if that's the last thing that you need to do, then yeah, try adding them in. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a waste of money. No, I love that. I love that. Focus on the basics, which are really quite simple. And you broke that down so beautifully for us. And the rest starts to kind of fall into place nicely. And I do think a food journal is such a great suggestion because it does help us start to sort out our relationship with food and maybe understand our triggers. You know, I can tell you, like I had the Twizzlers cause I was feeling especially stressed and it's, it's, the, it's literally the chewing and it's the plasticity of the stupid candy that they've just fine tuned so well. And it was, it was my junk food of choice, you know, when I was younger and didn't care about what I was eating. So quite often it's an association that we have yeah childhood or a time when we felt a certain way so yeah it's really interesting and if you keep a diary you can kind of work out those patterns and those triggers it's a lot of self-reflection in getting healthy yeah yeah it's a journey it is a journey um so can we return to gut health and digestive health which kind of you know piggybacks off of the basics and do you recommend probiotics prebiotic foods, what kind of stuff would you say to focus on? So the research kind of doesn't add up to, it doesn't point towards probiotics being that helpful unless you have a gut-related, you know, disorder. So something like (laughs) IBS, constipation, diarrhea, bloating, but, but, yeah, so by all means, add them in if you can afford it and if they're accessible. I think they can be really helpful. Um, but essentially, what you're, the biggest thing that you could do for your gut is to add in more plant-based foods. You know, we are looking for polyphenols, so these antioxidants, lots of colour, lots of diversity, lots of fibre. Um, that's, again, that's your foundation. Start there you know, work on eating really mindfully, slowly, you know, chewing really well, taking your time, not with devices, you know, looking at scrolling Instagram or whatever, um, and then build on it. So then, yeah, maybe if you're still having issues, you could add in some probiotics. Um, prebiotics essentially are just fiber. It's the fiber that feeds the the good gut, uh, good gut bug. Right. Um, but you can get those from things like inulin, you know, things like artichokes and um, asparagus, essentially anything that's really fibrous. Okay, we'll, we'll feed all that. And again, it sounds like you're saying, you know, 
eat the right things, the body sort of brings itself. Oh, Lord, I hadn't even thought about my head. Oh, okay. Back into balance. Sorry, someone is just needs to mute. Sorry, Emma, I lost you. That's okay. Um, um, <clears throat> is what to do with food much more than it does with a pill and there's also we're not a hundred percent sure how much of that those you know supplements actually arrive intact right in, in your you know in your colon so yeah if it's something that you you know you, that you can do and that is available to you by all means try it but I would I would say try it for eight to twelve weeks you don't notice any difference probably you know look elsewhere I also I have to say I really appreciate your bringing up if you can afford it you've said that a few times now and I think that's so important um and more than that you've said sure you know if you can afford it but you don't need it which is really important because these are additional expenses for people and better quality stuff is also more money so or at least they're gonna make it that way <laughs> so I, I think that's important wellness you know and can kind of quite easily veer into privileged sort of privileged things that you yes. don't necessarily need yeah so yeah I think there is lots that you can do much more cheaply and much more available to you in your local supermarket Emma, this is hopefully not too personal a question, but I, I am curious because this is the work that you do. Did you sort of begin to address your perimenopausal symptoms, if you will, with food or was it more of sort of addressing your stress? Oh, it's a great question. Um, it was for me. So I never, I've never had a hot flush. I have, for me, my symptoms were palpitations um, and anxiety. So the psychological side of um, perimenopause, that was, that really fraud me, actually. Mm. It made me feel very isolated and very, very low. Um, And it really impacted my confidence, my kind of sense of identity. It affected my relationship with my friends. Mm -hmm. I definitely was a much worse mum, you know, very shouty and very angry and very quick to kind of feel rage. Um, And that isn't, you know, that isn't easily addressed with food. That Mm -hmm. is through understanding what's going on, um, having time out self care you know just self care and also i think a bit of self compassion so you know recognizing that this is it's a it's a it's not the end of anything really it's just like a a new phase of life right yeah thank you it's easy to worry about aging and which i do i'm quite vain um you know, but it's, I think we have to, there has to be a certain, I don't know, recognition and a kind of almost coming to terms with the fact that this is happening and you've just got to make the most of it and harness all of that experience that you've got and the wisdom. And, you know, actually, once you get your symptoms uh, kind of under control, it's a brilliant time to be alive. You know, it's pretty magnificent. Um, you know yourself, you're comfortable in your own skin, you know, you, you're really intuitive. You've been around the block a few times. Yeah. You kind of have to harness that power, I think. Yeah. I love that. And I also, if I can just say this, I love that you said also, I'm quite vain. I think, you know, I don't, I don't see, I don't know this for sure. And I hope no one gets angry, but I do, I feel like, you know, there is, it's okay to have some vanity. I, I, I th- and I think so many of us, part of our struggle during this season of life is perhaps in response to, I don't know, maybe, you know, we, we speak about sort of the patriarchy and shedding the patriarchy and all of these messages that we've been listening to and absorbing for years and years and years and kind of breaking free of that, which is fantastic. But I don't know that we sort of also abandon all, um, you know, 
sort of being in touch with wanting to feel good, wanting to look good and, you know, right? Does that make sense? important to you, and it is important to me, then I think it's totally fine to, uh, yeah, to to still want to, I don't want to look like a kind of haggard old woman with a Mm. face bunched up Chris Packet, like... (laughs) Your daughter said exactly to you what you likely didn't want to hear ever. Exactly. So <laughs> you, you want to look the best version of yourself, but you want to do it for for you. I don't, you know, I want to look back in the mirror and see, you know, in my head, I still feel 19. I, I'm, yeah. I'm never going to look 19 again, but I just want to look good. And I don't want to look tired and grumpy and miserable. Yeah, yeah. Um, what would you say? I feel like we touched on so much, but... What would you say to us ladies, like where, where might we start um, if we're wanting to, you know, really kind of rein it in around food and we're, you know, we're thinking about, so, so you talked about the blood sugar part. Yes. But, you know, would you, what would you say we should, where do we begin tomorrow? When you say rein it in, what do you mean? Um, I think, you know, just sort of address our health, um, you know, go to the grocery store with something new in mind. Yeah. Uh, I would <laughs> say make sure you're eating enough protein and okay. that goes back to the blood sugar balancing. You know, we need about a gram per kilogram of body weight. Most of us aren't getting that. Um, we need it to build up our muscles. We're losing muscle mass as we age. Um, but Protein is the most satiating macronutrient there is. It actually, you know, you use up energy in digesting it um, and it keeps us on this nice, steady keel. So, yeah. Okay. Protein. Protein. Okay. Do you, do you, do you focus on macronutrients and things like that? No, you don't worry about that with your clients. I I think it's just, we've all got too much going on, but if again, it's like, if you've got, if you're used to dealing with that, with those numbers, great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you are, I wouldn't worry about the fats and the carbs. I would go for the, you know, check out your protein and then make up the other two, however you like, according to your appetite or your preferences. Okay. I will usually with my clients, I will give them a target. So I want you to eat, I don't know, 75 grams of protein spread out throughout the day. Um, you know, as much as you however can. you like. Yeah. Like weighing it all out. It's so portions. Do you have yeah, palm okay. size a piece of protein with each meal, whether you're eating twice a day, three times or five, you know, even if you're having snacks, make sure there's protein in them okay um your book this is very exciting okay you have authored a book (laughs) and there it is and there it is so exciting Emma. i can't wait to get it uh so you co-authored this with tell us about it yeah so i co-authored it with a menopause doctor so it is a 360 degree view of perimenopause so it's called the perimenopause solution um so it covers everything from hrt to gut health to eating for better brain power um it covers weight management it covers orgasms you know we've kind of we've gone everywhere Mm -hmm. Um, i'm hoping to get you a couple of copies actually to to give away great thank you bringing their way to you very soon um but essentially like we said right at the beginning there's no one size fits all so it's lots of different solutions there's no one solution lots of different avenues that you can go down it's like a toolkit i guess and you can take pick and choose the the you know the the interventions the protocols that suit you and we've tried to make it really accessible but it is there's you know there's research and studies at the back but there's lots of tables and diagrams and kind of bullet point lists and takeaways so that it's digestible I love that I saw that you referred to it as sort of a perimenopausal pick and mix and I feel like so many of us 
sort of reach this time of our lives and maybe things are feeling particularly out of control in, in any number of ways, physically, physiologically, and mental, emotionally. And so there, there's this natural desire to kind of like home in on what's going to work, what's the next plan, what's going to kind of help me rein it in. When it seems like the more I kind of am observing, it's actually the opposite we want to do. We just sort of want to pull back in and recognize what works for us. And we probably know what that is, right? So it may not be meditating. It may be taking a walk. And we know that, but we don't want to kind of accept it. We want to like push ourselves to meditate. And it seems like your book is speaking to us in that way that, you know, not everything is for everybody. No, absolutely. But here's a hundred things, you know, I, I can suggest to you. Yeah, exactly. I think there's a real tendency for women to punish themselves at this time of life because their body isn't looking like it used to. You know, they're like, oh, my God, I've got to work out harder. I'm going to eat less. I'm going to take out all this sugar. You know, I'm not going to drink, blah, 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 blah. And it is, this is the, the you know, this is a time to be really kind. Um, and like you say, back and really kind of work out what you need and that might be different tomorrow from today you know things change and your symptoms change it's, it's a very much a kind of evolving journey that's morphing into different ways you know as we go um so yeah don't punish yourselves ladies this is a time very much to to just be compassionate I think a tremendous amount of self-care, yep. I would say. It should be on the on the menu, as it were. And you don't um, be sitting cross-legged yet. Like you say, it could just be, I don't know, escaping for 10 minutes, being quiet, shutting the door, having a bath, reading, listening to a podcast. I don't know, whatever yeah. your thing is. Yeah, yeah. When does the book come out, Emma? It's out, actually. It came oh. out. What? I pre-ordered it. I didn't, I I don't know. Maybe it's on its way. I haven't gotten any. Better be. I'm I'm really excited about this book, but yeah. Okay. So it's out. You can get it. You can get it. Where can we get it? You can get it. So in the UK, you can get it from all good bookshops. If it's not in stock, you can ask them to order it. You can get it from Amazon. I know. I know. <laughs> I don't want to say it, but that's where I pre-ordered it from. Um, you can, if you're overseas and it isn't on Amazon or <laughs> bookshop, you can get it from the book depository uh, who who send books out uh, globally. Um, but yeah. Well, congratulations. It's really quite a feat. I'm so impressed that you uh, put pen to paper and got all this out for all of us. It was humongously stressful. Was Uh, it? It meant that, yeah, at least I came out of lockdown having done something. I'll Uh, say. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's got some really, really, we've had some amazing feedback from, from women and it's got some great reviews. So please... Um, invest, tell your girlfriends, buy it as a present. Uh, there is genuinely, um, I think, something for everyone in there. Yeah, I um, I can't thank you enough, Emma. I could speak to you all day. I I just I your your approach really resonates to me personally. It's enormously respectful of women, and um. It is not, uh, there's no, you know, banging any, anything over anyone's head. And I, I think that's just so it's, it is as kind as, you know, the message that, or the feeling that you want us to have. So I, I so appreciate your work. I'm inspired by it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, if you're not following Emma Bardwell, the menopause nutritionist, do it, do it now, do it now. And, um, Thank you. Thank you so much. It was just lovely to speak with you. Thank you. Thanks. I really appreciate you having me on and sharing, you know, this conversation is really important. You're it doing- really is. It really is. Thanks, Emma. Okay, be well. Thank you, ladies, for joining.
Talk to you soon, everyone. Bye. Soon. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our Perimenopause What the F podcast. The perimenopause journey can be lonely and it doesn't have to be that way. Make sure to download our free Peri app to connect with perimenopause warriors in the same stage of life. See you next time, Peri sisters.